Welcome to the Teacup Podcast. I'm Tanya, and every Friday I'm catching up with a friend to have a chat about something they've read, watched, or listened to lately, right down to the tea. On today's episode, I'm talking to Siddharth about Mad Men and themes of masculinity in the show. Welcome to the Teacup Podcast. Thank you. Um, it's good to have you here. This is yeah. my uh, first in-person recording. Um, and of course, I would do it with a family member. <laughs> so today I'm talking to Siddharth, my brother, um, about the show Mad Men, uh, masculinity, and specifically looking at the character of Don Draper. That's right. Yeah. Um, so this is exciting because Siddharth has actually written a paper about this, right? Yeah. So as part of my, my IB curriculum, we have to write an extended essay. And so... The topic of my extended essay was this particular discussion. So I think the, the convention that I use is a is a modern thing. The idea of yeah. challenging conventions of masculinity and uh, kind of going... Uh, okay, for example, we could take... The most recent event was Harry Styles posing the dress. And uh, that's a very, yeah, a very modern thing. It wouldn't have happened before this. And so that, that knowing all those things, knowing that defining me or defining any man as a man doesn't really is not limited to the conventions it used to be mm-hmm. i think was the perspective that i had when i approached this mm-hmm. it was only very recently that people have decided that our the archetypes of manliness needn't be limited to what they used to be what mm-hmm. they're commonly defined by i think a lot of you know guys watching us at some point have had that so let's start with um the main question why Mad Men, why Don Draper, and then specifically, why did you decide to look at the idea of masculinity? Okay, so all three of those, um, I won't answer in order, but let's, so with masculinity itself, I think that's a personal connect for me. I've always wondered, uh, who am I as a man? How do I define that? And so, you know, uh, I think I've heard this, I know everyone's heard this, you've heard our PE teachers, our sports teachers always say something like, boys don't cry. And I've always wondered, why? Who said that? Whose idea was it? And so that's what's kind of like sat at the back of my head, just who is defining what a boy should and shouldn't do. Yeah. So that was, that's always been a topic for me, but it didn't quite set in. And then I watched Mad Men because it was, uh, it was recommended to me. I heard it's like one of the greatest shows of all time. I was wondering why that is. Yeah. And I was quite bored and I was procrastinating. So I, I went and watched the show Yeah. and I, I, it stood out to me a lot. I think it was a, it was a drama show. Yeah. Now, the show does, it's not necessarily centered around a singular character, but I think one of the most, if not the most important character is Don Draper. And he is meant to be this intricate character that's kind of more than what he seems. There's always layers to his personality. Yeah. And so then I realized the one thing that came across from Don was that he came came out to be this really manly guy. And that's what a lot of, like, th- a lot of people described him as. And then so and then I kind of started wondering... What made him manly? Yeah. Is that a bad thing? How is yeah. his being so manly negative? And yeah. then, so that's what kind of got me to the extended essay and that's the discussion we have. Yeah. In your analysis of Don Draper's character, tell me what made... I mean, I've seen the show uh, and I definitely... You know, Don Draper comes off as like a man's man, mm. you know, um, and there's no question about it. Um, but today, as we re- redefine what it means to be a man and what masculinity means, and a lot of men and a lot of boys are able to take these decisions for themselves uh, about their identity as men, and I'm sure you can speak to that in a bit. But um, what were the defining factors, at least then, and the context we're looking at is the 60s, the US, you know, so there are a lot of, of course, contextual um, factors here, but 
what were Don Draper's defining characteristics that made him a man's man? Right. So um, I think uh, just to outline them, the first thing was a uh, man was kind of defined by his relationship to women. Yeah. And not in today's sense uh, where it's slightly a little bit more equal. But back then when uh, the man was the provider, he was the breadwinner. The woman kind of stayed at home and cooked, but the man made money. Yeah. That's why Don is, he's the advertising man. So he, at the time, he made a lot of money yeah. and he provided for his family. Yeah. He was always at the office. So that was, that was one characteristic, a working man and the breadwinner. The second was like in relation to women. It's also, I think, just demonstrating a highly sexual nature. Yeah. In today's times, you, would, uh, you might be able to call out a man for doing so with a little bit more awareness. But yeah. then again, it also goes ignored today as much as it did in the 60s. Don could have a wife and it didn't matter how he treated her because he had a wife and yeah. that's what made him. He had a wife and kids and he had a family, he was a family man, but he could also go around having affairs and I don't think anyone would hold it against him. No one would say, um, his secretary Peggy and I think a bunch of the people in the office knew that Don was not faithful, but no yeah. one cared because that made him all the more, you know, in the modern terms, he'd be called a baller. Yeah. And... <laughs> And it's just what men did at the time, right? Yeah, I think it was is having affairs was almost like a like if you're a rich man, you know, and you work and you're and you're handsome, then why shouldn't you have an affair? Right. Aren't you entitled to do that? Yeah. Uh, another thing, and that's this pretty much like the final points. Though I could go into all these nitty gritties, I won't. But it's also that he was very unemotional in his approach. I think he uh, demonstrates this level of reticence yeah. when it comes to everything. There's a very indifferent way to how he handles his situations he, yeah. in when he's in work troubles he has in, he's indifferent um he with his personal life he's suffered some tragedies yeah. but he's actually tried to keep it in you know his brother's suicide he didn't cry when his closest confidant died I, he spent about a second grieving over it and then just suppressed it yeah that kind of thing um What's fascinating about Don Draper's trope specifically is because of his um, true identity as Dick Whitman uh, and the fact that he's assumed the identity of Don Draper, a lot of these are also traits that he adopted as a way to um, assert his masculinity, right? Mm. So they're not necessarily, in a lot of men you can say they're conditioned, but for for Don, for Dick Whitman specifically, these um, were adopted and absorbed and imbibed and therefore manifested in the man's man you know more so than i think a lot of other male characters on the show so for context uh dick whitman uh, uh for those who haven't seen the show dick whitman is a real identity of don draper who um don draper is just a name that he took in order to fit into society but the fact is there's a very clear identity divide between the two so dick whitman is actually we see in the show that he's very different he's actually he demonstrates he's thoughtful he's caring he'll he'll do things like he'll just he'll paint the house he'll take care of the lady and he doesn't he doesn't have this whole like yeah i'm a guy i'll go sleep with who i want he yeah. doesn't have that macho or brash or cocky attitude yeah. he's very actually he's he demonstrates thoughtfulness that you would not quite see in his manhattan life yeah and um the reason it's so important is because I think Don Draper's character, I, I've written about this in my essay as well, with the other things he does. I don't think he is a symbol, more of he is like a keyhole, yeah. so to speak. I'll explain the analogy because he, all these other characters, you observe their traits and then you have to make a huge, like you have to make assumptions to analyze them. Don gives you insight. He yeah. tells you, 
in a relatively straightforward way as far as you know emmy winning shows can be straightforward he tells you what it is that men do when yeah. it comes to his affairs or when it comes to the fact that don draper having stolen this identity he feels as if he should do the things that a man would mm-hmm. what what would an advertising man in the 1960s looking to start a family have money and just live the life mm-hmm. what would he do mm-hmm. and so he takes on some of these traits and i think he takes it on from his co-workers like uh, there's this bit in the show where a younger version of him who's working at um a fur store mm-hmm. and writing their copywriting uh, doing their copywriting he um he encounters Roger Sterling and then they both go out to lunch and then Roger is just absolutely drunk the next day and then Don kind of cons him into hiring him and then kind of, I think that's where he kind of picks up the drinking habit because he would have been up until then a, kind of a young, naive, uh, blue-eyed salesman but then he sees that Roger Sterling, who at the time was still senior, is drinking in the day as if like at what, 10 a.m. as if it's no big deal and yeah. so that's... It, that's the way he would inherit such characteristics. He'd right. watch Roger, he'd watch his co-workers, he'd, he'd seen his own father, uh, which is a you know whole different story. But and I think that's kind of it. He looks at yeah. these people and he imprints each characteristic. Yeah. So the fact that a lot of this is absorbed masculinity also speaks to the identity crisis more, right? The fact that I think he felt the need to take on you know, like with a lot of other men in the show, there are still vulnerabilities, there are flaws, there are weaknesses because so many of their masculine traits are conditioned. They're bound to slip up at some point, right? But with Dawn, because everything is so almost academically absorbed, he doesn't slip up. Well, I think that if anything, um, it's the opposite because oh. for all the men that they slip up, they will, the other men in the show, they will just kind of they will just stumble their way through it. Mm-hmm. But Don, I think, is... It, he's been put on a path to course correction that he keeps ignoring. Mm-hmm. His masculinity, his the traits that he believes make him a man, because they're not conditioned, he knows that they're doing it. But he insists that this is how he will get what he wants. Mm-hmm. And it does work out for him by the beginning of the show because he's a rich man, he's got a wife, yeah. he you know has a mistress, multiple mistresses later on. But... The fact that he can do all this, it just seems to be working out perfectly. Yeah. Later on in the show, a lot of things that'll uh, kind of happen to Don will seem to... I shouldn't say happen so much as how they affect him. Yeah. That is a result of his his manliness. Yeah. And not his manliness, so much of his attempt to demonstrate these traits. Yeah. He will... Uh, for example, in the first season, he hit Dick Whitman's half-brother. And it's his half-brother, Adam comes to see him. And now Adam was a very close part of his childhood, but he also had a very traumatic childhood that he tried to escape. Yeah. And so when Adam comes, he f- doesn't seem happy to see him. He's actually very reluctant to have Adam around. He's yeah. itching to push him away because he will not be seen with someone from his past like that. He will not re- embrace the scared child that he used to be. Yeah. He's so insistent on being this man in control because he controls everything right. he controls like his office he's a he's a he's a creative director so as, as far as he's concerned everyone is beneath him yeah he has so much control in his life when someone like adam comes in who's his like younger by only a few years who's known him who knows who he is truly he doesn't have control there and that's un- uncomfortable for him he yeah. can't stand it yeah. and so he sends him away with money and he considers the matter handled but then turns out Adam hangs himself because he just can't stand it. Mm. 
And that's a consequence of Don's actions. Don needs to be in control. He yeah. will not accept that there was a part of his life that used to be. Yeah. As long as he can control the situation, he will. Yeah. And when he can't, he'll do whatever it takes. He sent, he gave Adam $5,000 in cash. I don't know the calculations, but that's a lot of money um, adjusted for inflation. And so that's the extent to which he was willing to go. And uh, yeah, so that, for example, that loss was a consequence of his actions. Right. So let's let's go back for a second to a point that you had made um, earlier about uh, being able to identify certain behaviors in today's time um, of a lot of these men. Um, and you are a still a school-going boy, well, almost done. Um, but a teenager and you spend your adolescence kind of the last few years at least seeing the rise of the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement, um, whether in India or in the US or um, wherever it was and people slowly becoming more aware of predatory behavior mm. um, and men themselves becoming aware of conditioned mm. predatory behavior. The show, I think, obviously because it's set in the 60s, it's going to, it's going to depict men like that. But, you know, for you watching it, what stood out to you in terms of the behavior then and the behavior now that's kind of acceptable? Okay, so I think a lot of lewd... Uh, I, I, this one scene that I do remember actually really well, uh, that see, was seems so acceptable in the, in the office in, where it was set. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters, one of the copywriters, is chasing this girl down because it's a part of a bet. When he catches her, he pins her to the ground and then he lifts her skirt because they had a bet on what color underwear she was wearing. And so he was willing to do that, but even after all that, he just picked her up, offered his hand, and she just, like, gladly accepted it, and they walked back. Yeah. As if, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Now that's, that is sexual harassment. Yeah. But, you know, then it was, it was like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, it speaks to a level of, I think, male entitlement. Entitlement, for oh. sure. So, for example, one of the sleaziest characters uh, on the show, or considered the sleaziest, is Pete Campbell. Mm. He's the kind of guy that attempts to be Don but doesn't succeed and so you can see all the failures that if you weren't Don Draper if you didn't have honestly if you didn't have handsome privilege that's yeah. what it would happen yeah. to you so he I think he's extremely like creepy with Peggy yeah. who's you know Don's secretary he yeah. flirts with her repeatedly he actually gets her pregnant but right. he but even though she shows like a clear weight gain she's not aware until she gives birth mm. and he doesn't like bother to follow up mm. he as far as he's concerned it's just i can sleep with whoever secretary and get away with it yeah uh pete actually has so many unsuccessful affairs because of how kind of creepy he gets and i think that's uh yeah i think it's really in terms of show i cannot speak to uh, historical accuracy to its fullest i think displaying this kind of borderline harassment type behavior yeah. was completely acceptable. I think violence was not really... Questioned. Yeah, so I think in terms of... I know I've seen Don like, shove Betty, and I think he's been violent with her a few times, and I think like, he just felt entitled to do that. Yeah. It's not... It wasn't domestic abuse. Yeah. You could just do it. So tell me, what do you think today the differences are in defining your masculinity compared to what a Don Draper had to do to define his masculinity? Well... Not to say it's a popular belief, but I think now, well, it is popular in the sense that our, the previous generation of men wouldn't fully agree. I think now I think as men, we don't, um, we don't need to necessarily be aggressive in our approach. I think it's okay to 
you know, you don't have to be the kind of guy that says, I can get what I want yeah. and I will take it. Yeah. I, I think that... The I don't take no for an answer thing. Yeah, no, I think the don't take no for an answer thing now is, is like, not acceptable. Yeah. Me personally, I think it's creepy. Yeah. And I think more and more, I think we're all getting the idea that when a woman says no, she means no. And yeah. you probably shouldn't do that. And um, I think respecting boundaries, obviously, is is more of a thing now. You don't... You don't just get to go up to a girl and get up all in her space. If she says she has want you there, you should yeah. you but you back off. Yeah. So uh, with the, uh, one of the things that's changed with masculinity is how you treat women. Yeah. Now, obviously, like like I'd said about Draper and rest of the sixties men, they could have what they wanted. They could yeah. have their cake and eat it too. But you can't do that now. Now, obviously, regardless of the legal grounding, having an affair is is awful. Yeah. You know, it speaks to negatively of your character instead of it used to be uh, in the 60s because there were so many men who had affairs it seemed like just everyday a thing, thing but do. now it's not um, and it kind of bolstered your identity as a man's man right yeah it, it did served it's to... like yeah I'm so manly I can sleep with all these women yeah what yes. about the way that um, today men treat other men yeah I think um, so I think now me personally just only having grown up in the kind of environment that I have and so I can't speak to all guys but I think a lot of dudes us even teenagers we have this habit of treating other guys with a certain level of uh what's the word I'm looking for indifference I think there's a very blase approach to how we talk to them it's kind of like yeah yeah no I, I acknowledge you're here but I don't care enough to address you I think, or I don't want to show that I care enough yeah no I think more often than not I found myself in situations doing that because when I do have a conversation with a guy or if I feel like I'm engaging, I've actually been called gay for it. And so it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? That's bizarre. That is bizarre. And so the point, the point that I'm making is that I think the old convention is that we have to treat guys with this level of, yeah, as if we're both alpha males standing off or something. Yeah. That is not, it makes little sense. I think the more guys that I talk to that are less from those they're all, uh, or these guys, or my, some of my friends who I've talked to who don't grow up in these hyper-masculine environments surrounded by, you know, like if you're in boarding, yeah. boarding school, or yeah. if, you're, if you're surrounded by guys. Like or even if the men in your life are like alpha, extremely, hyper-masculine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so they end up being extremely sociable. And then yeah. you, you wonder, they make friends with their own, like with dudes and girls like, because they don't, yeah. they're not limited by this whole like, yeah, no, I have to, I have to give you that that space because we're guys and we do that yes yeah. it's, it's not like a it's definitely something i think i've also noticed having i mean i remember in school the idea of masculinity was definitely um a little more prevalent and it's always relative right there were boys attempting to assert their masculinity in still these fairly regressive ways whether it was you know um attempting to sleep around a lot or you know, the more girls you hooked up with, the better. And it still served to... It made you look good at the end of the day. You know, and as much as we, we can talk about, oh, masculinity is changing, the fact that in the 60s it made someone look good and in the 2010s it made somebody look good, that's still saying something. Yeah, no, I think... You know? um, I've, I've seen, like, conversations with my friends who they want to make themselves appear cooler to me because they will talk about things like, you know, how many girls I've hook up, hooked up with. Yeah. Um, and even though maybe it's of no personal value to them no maybe it's not maybe it's more of a well I don't know what it is it's a tick box could be a tick box yeah, yeah. it could be whatever it could be I think t- 
regardless of why they did it, talking about it is definitely a social thing. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I have done. What about you? Yeah. Um, and uh, whether you mean to brag, I think regardless of it, it's always trying to remind, I think amongst dudes, it's always a kind of subtle, yeah, I'm doing this because I'm a guy. Yeah. And, you know, and I have I'm to do it. I want you to know it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um just don't forget <laughs> don't forget yeah yeah uh, and i think you know what's more important i think is not just treating women because that to a large extent unfortunately has come as a re- uh, as a result of a social bandwagon so a lot of women a lot of men treat women better because they have to they feel like they have right, to and no, they're worried about i have i've seen this because um this one guy at my school he's going to stay unnamed but uh, one of the things that i disliked the most about him was this whole like he he felt he and i had a mutual friend this particular girl no one's friends with anyone anymore but back then i think he felt this unnecessary need to protect her yeah for some reason this guy feels the need to step in like <laughs> what are you saying bro <laughs> getting up all in my face yeah. and it's like what do you what do you want what what does that accomplish yeah. because at the end of the day i think now suddenly all these guys that want to define the manliness kind of hitch it to the woman thing like yeah. if i can protect a woman i'm a man i'm a man yeah i can you know who cares if yeah. she actually needs it she probably doesn't want my opinion maybe Absolutely. she didn't ask for my opinion or ask for me vouching for her in any given situation but yeah. i'm going to do it anyway yeah and i think that's like such a douchey thing now that's the like some of the guys that still want to hold on to the belief that they are the alpha male but yeah. they know they can't do that instead kind of hitch it to this whole yeah. i'm going to protect women and it becomes just sad because yeah. now obviously as a as a I'm I'm not the objective viewpoint so I can't ever speak to how most people will feel but what I can say is that I think at the end of the day as we if we are truly moving towards redefining who what being a man means I think it's time to kind of let go of the old fashioned alpha male belief today the issue isn't that oh men are still disrespecting women and of course they are that's you know uh, not to dismiss that but it's that today you're respecting me because it's a social trend to respect mm-hmm. me not because you maybe legitimately believe and i've had my own peers argue about uh female equality and argue about the most mundane issues and you start to think okay you you really only respect me because it's a trend because they've asked and you can yeah. see it because you're not respecting the other men around you mm-hmm. and if you're still perpetuating ideas of masculinity while quote unquote being respectful to a woman then what's the point because you're not really progressing you're not, it's a bandwagon thing right exactly i think like because yeah. uh, and actually this the savior complex is still a is still an alpha male trait yeah right? it's it would be annoying for you also if some guy just decided that he needed to stand up for your yeah. rights every single time yeah. someone said something negative to you yeah. and uh, or did it just not because he was felt affronted on your behalf but just because he felt as if this is my chance to remind people that i'm the kind of guy i'm a, yeah. i'm a man's man i do this yeah. because i protect women yeah. and the alpha male yeah. but really i think i think the the people that i've noticed really take control are not those who demonstrate that level of alpha fake is. dominance yeah. yeah i think now the alpha male which without the connotations to the word would genuinely mean in my opinion would mean someone who is confident who is kind of secure in their own masculinity. Yeah. One of my biggest discoveries has also been um you know growing up in this environment and and as someone who also obviously uh was imbibed in that culture to an extent um having my college education and returning and actually making much better friends with a lot of my male peers um 
and i find that most of my male friends are uh men that are just sorted you know who have never attempted to assert dominance in any way who have never attempted to i think um prove that they are men and that security shows up in a lot of other facets of their lives whereas today the men that i know who are still very insecure about their masculinity um feel still feel the need to secure it you know by doing of course i think all of us know um how people feel like they need to assert their identity so yeah, i hope i hope there is i hope the idea of masculinity changes and i hope people stop seeing maybe masculinity and femininity as two um very distinct things and mutually exclusive yeah no i think i think definitely you can blend both i think yeah. also when i think about my own behavior i start to wonder how often feeling the need to be a man has rubbed off on me as opposed to who i really want to be which is frankly the farthest thing from your from a from oh, don't a don't draper uh but i think slowly it's it's so kind of ingrained we need to demonstrate certain qualities of yeah. manliness yeah i think definitely it's a conscious effort to kind of break out yeah. i think at the end of the day even in schools like like where i go to where you think i think but you you think that obviously it's a, it's it's a school for people my age we are progressive and i'm not going to go ahead and you know shit on everyone in the school yeah. like that, but, uh, i think it's still have six months there so yeah, don't yeah do. I, i i i i have to stay alive so <laughs> but i think i think to some extent i've from what time i spent in boarding i think there was definitely this kind of i'll say boyish but i think they're being this kind of boy this dude like a guy and yeah. being a man yeah. they kind of uh, they kind of mix yeah. they kind of have common things yeah. be like being butch for example that's a really it's thing that all teenage guys like to do yeah. and um and it becomes a it becomes a personality trait you know yeah yeah i think also then when you get surrounded by it and i think when you want to come out i'm not going to i mean generally in most systems if you want to come out on not on top but if you want to see be seen as this dude or you want to be sociable then you yeah. do have to demonstrate this kind of thing and then after point it's kind of like okay but i want to do what i want to do even if it's slightly feminine yeah i even like the idea of a lot of when i see pride marches even in india um or a couple of my friends who uh, identify as either trans or gender non binary or actually even straight men but just saying yeah i do something that is conventionally feminine and so what yeah. so what you know i i remember growing up um reading amar chitra katha and seeing shiva always as a uh, part feminine and part masculine right, right um and that it can obviously it is the yin and yang system right they have to exist in one person you can't have somebody that's overtly only masculine and somebody that's overtly only feminine exactly. there are going to be interchangeable traits yeah you know we're moving to a generation where we can finally recognize women as equals and yeah. a part of that means that uh, we have to kind of surrender all these notions yeah. and that also includes if women can take on the same roles as men can yeah. then men need to kind of take a back seat uh even Being David Bowie actually he was he was an androgynous he was famous for it yeah. like he was i think very clearly kind of fluctuated between this whole man woman thing and yeah. his entire style was we didn't know what he was yeah. when, um, and you didn't care it wasn't didn't care because he was a rock star i think you know actually just to quickly touch upon the point you said about men being also allowed to take a back seat something i see today is yeah a lot of men are accepting of um women with careers or senior women or women that you know are breaking boundaries and breaking glass ceilings in some ways but they themselves are still unable to sit back and accept yeah um maybe a role that they are not used to maybe. so 
they're willing to make some amount of space for women but making space for women is not just letting them you know have the same jobs as you are paying them equally it's also taking a step back and maybe helping with what women are conventionally tasked with which is home care and child care and um i am seeing more and more um, men doing that um and i hope i think that's what fundamentally needs to change with the idea of masculinity that otherwise like we said it becomes a social trend you're doing it because oh so fx sell advertise that oh women are doing all the laundry yeah. and you know so yeah i think now as as we move to finding what it means to be a man regardless of what facet you're looking at you could be looking at how you treat women you could be looking at how you treat other men you could be looking at what you do for the community for yourself yeah i think it always comes down to i think being being comfortable with yourself yeah. because at at the end of the day conventions will always change yeah. and i think what we define as manly today will not may not be manly tomorrow because Absolutely. for all i know there may be another kind of you know door being kicked on yeah. as we speak or yeah. next year there'll be something different at the end of the day i think it comes down to being comfortable with yourself yeah. i think that is something me and a lot of other guys would struggle with yeah as it comes to um as we um grow up as we become kind of men not to, i'm i'm only 17 but as i grow up and i want to become a man what does it mean for me am i going to be comfortable with who i am regardless of what traits i have yeah regardless of all the gender conventions one thing that'll stay constant is being comfortable in your own skin yeah. and to me i think that's what i would that's the kind of man i would be most comfortable becoming yeah someone who is fully and completely comfortable with who they are good thank you on that note on that wonderful note um let's wrap this podcast up um thank you for being here and for thank chatting you for having with me, me. Uh, good luck with the submission of your essay thank you yeah yeah we should do a um revision on this maybe in a couple of years to see what, if what you changed? said was true yeah uh, that would be that would be pretty true yeah yeah, yeah. there was like it's like a time vault yeah. yeah that would be nice yeah okay good thank you yeah sure bye 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 Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. See you next Friday. Until then, follow the Teacup podcast on Instagram and write to me with any thoughts, questions or ideas.